0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. And welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jump to Forest, Michael Luby Lubitz with you. And uh, we would normally uh, engage immediately in Luby's fetching and moaning and crying about the local sports catastrophe that took place last night on Black Monday. With both the uh, Panthers going down and the Miami Heat uh, looking like uh, absolute, as they say in French, garbage in their game against the Boston Celtics. But uh, very, very pleased to uh, welcome to the show uh, one of, uh, I'm sure, your favorites and and, uh, our favorites uh, been in so many different things, so many film credits. uh, It uh, is, uh, you know, just an extensive and impressive list. And we welcome to the show uh, the lovely uh, actress Denise Crosby, who comes from some royal bloodlines as well, as you might imagine. To the program, uh, Denise, how are you? Good to have you on the show.
0: I am so well. Thank you so much for having me. Good morning.
1: Ah, it's good to be with you. I mean, uh, you know, among my favorite shows of all time, uh, of course, Ray Donovan, you were a part of that. Uh, there are a zillion Star Trek fans out of there. Uh, you were a big uh, staple uh, on that television broadcast. But a uh, new project uh, working right now. Uh, tell us about what you're doing on the USA presentation of Suits.
0: Suits, yes. I finished up a, a, a great ninth season finale of that incredible show, and um, I was able to kind of straighten up those, those guys and, and uh, get them back on track. I came in as a, uh, uh, a master on that show, <laughs> so I gave them a little bit of hell.
1: The uh, next generation, and, and also a narrator of a feature film a documentary, uh, Trekkies, and uh, that that is celebrating its 25th uh, anniversary. Uh, uh, and, and that had to be uh, a very special and heartwarming project for you, because uh, I mean, there are just so many fans worldwide when it comes to Star Trek.
0: Well, it 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 was, and you know, I had sort of a bird's eye view onto it, and. Um, I was, uh, I just couldn't believe that nobody had really explored this whole um, genre that had sort of sprung up and was in its, uh, it was starting to change in the, the uh, uh, early, let's see, when did we make this, in, in 25 years ago. So things were starting to really uh, open up in terms of fandom and um, we caught it right as, as it was sort of changing.
1: Talk with uh, the uh, lovely Denise Crosby here on After Hours with Defoe and uh, Luby. Uh, Luby, you're a big fan, I know. I mean, uh, I was infatuated <laughs> with the uh, performance on Ray Donovan, <laughs> but uh, you have been a fan of uh, Denise uh, for a long, long time.
2: Well, Denise, uh, Star Trek, it's funny because there are lots of shows, Seinfeld, that have these cult followings that became these monster shows. Star Trek is just like, it's like the Beatles. Like, Trekkies is literally a term that just is resounding. How is it to be a part of something that's been so big in the social consciousness and then now be a part of, you know, the film, the 25 anniversary, everything that's going on now with Trekkies. Oh,
0: um, you know, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, we, we are, you know, we, we are blessed and, uh, we, we certainly don't take it for granted. Um, it's, who could have ever thought that would happen so um, it's amazing and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be part of it
1: Did uh, Leave Schreiber when you were uh, doing all of those Ray Donovan episodes uh, did he look like he had just gone 12 with Muhammad Ali every day <laughs> when, when he woke up I mean how was he able to sustain that look on the show uh, like he uh, had just been uh, trampled uh, by a bulldozer
0: He's he He's got a very um, special quality, Liev. Uh, he was fantastic in that role, and um, you know, i I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. Let me let me just tell you that much. <laughs>
1: He never broke out the bat. I hope, uh, which uh, seemed like an unlikely uh, weapon of choice when the other guys had machine guns. But uh, somehow uh, he was fearless uh, in that role. How, how much fun was it doing that series? Because uh, I, I think it's up there with uh, any of the great television series of all time.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. Um, look, it was it was tremendous. I mean, what uh, what a cast, and you know, certainly, I was. Uh, able to work with um, Elliot Gould who had long time been, you know, one of, one of the greats. And um, it was just, uh, you know, it was the second time I got to work with the incredibly talented Anne Bitterman who created the show. She had created Southland, which was another uh, uh, really fabulous show and that I was on. And uh, so when Ray Donovan came along, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of her, uh, her, her touchstone, she says, so I, I came aboard that one.
1: Uh, Denise Crosby with us. Uh, I only have uh, about a minute, but uh, uh, what message would you want to send to the Trekkies uh, about uh, uh, what level of interest uh, they should have in, in this upcoming documentary?
0: Oh, this is this is the the version we had always wanted to make. This is a beautiful new uh, high uh, high def Blu-ray version. Um, there's some extras on it. Uh, there's a talk back with Roger Nygaard, the director, and I, and uh, it just looks pristine. So if you don't have a copy. Get one now. It'll be available on all the video-on-demand platforms, Amazon, iTunes, Vudu, all that stuff. So, please, you'll love it.
1: Just one uh, point of curiosity real quick, if you don't mind. uh, Did you ever accompany your grandfather, Bing Crosby, on any of those uh, shoots for the American (laughs) sportsman when you were a kid?
0: (laughs) No, but my son... Uh, was recently up at Pebble Beach doing uh, uh, playing golf, so uh, you know it's come full circle. There you go. <laughs> nice,
1: nice. <laughs> all right, thanks so much for your thanks time. For uh, congratulations on all your uh, brilliant success uh, in the acting game, and uh, you know this uh, documentary figures to be special and have uh, great meaning to all of the Trekkie fans out there. Uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. It is.
0: Pleasure is all mine, you guys. Thank you so
1: much. Thanks, Denise. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot. Denise Crosby, ladies and gentlemen. You sort of sandbagged me at the beginning there, Libby, yeah, with the sure. uh, information because uh, <laughs> I thought she was on to promote this uh, suits thing, uh, which uh, you had emphasized in your message to me and uh, turned out to be something else, which is always a uh, bad deterrent when uh, allocated seven minutes by a very strict and demanding public relations firm, which we didn't want to piss off by, uh, you know, uh, going way over the time there. Although a lot of people would do that to us, yes, and uh, we we would miss out on uh, guests that we had a short window of time with. But uh, no, very. Uh, I I I can't believe it. Right? Uh, she was. I think Deb was a character. Uh, Ray Donovan. All right, and uh, yeah. was on a series for like uh, four or five years. Uh, Ray Donovan and uh, working with Elliot Gould, they, they had uh, amazing uh, acting uh, throughout oh, no, the uh, whole time. But it did right. look like. I mean, how, how does? Uh, Leo Schreiber uh, end up. I mean, he, he always looked like <laughs> always. he had been out. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, you know, almost in like James Conner, the gambler type fashion. <laughs> uh, you know, just out for you know some purpose uh, to directly uh, you know t- take his life into his own hands. There, I- incredible. He always
2: looks like he just came from a fight. Like even when he did scenes that weren't about fighting, his wife was dying of cancer. He's yeah in this you know weird world. He still looked like he just came from a fight. Always like it's hundred percent.
1: All right, you're ready to uh, get to your bitching and moaning about uh, what went on in the local (laughs) sports scene last night here in South Florida?
2: We we didn't do it this morning, so at some point I'm waiting for us to talk a little bit about the heat. Even though I I guess when you play that way, there's really not much to say.
1: What an embarrassment. I mean, that was. And and I I don't know that it's inexplicable because it's kind of been how the series has gone so far. I mean, the Celtics uh, were competitive for a half in game number one and actually had an eight-point lead and and, then absolutely were decimated in one of the ugliest quarters of Celtic basketball ever. So uh, that game uh, went in lopsided fashion to uh, the Miami Heat. Celtics come back and pummel the Heat. Uh, you know, the Heat, all of a sudden, uh, with a 180-degree reversal of form in game number two. They lose on the home wood, They lose home court advantage. Celtics, uh, in game three, uh, do another vanishing act, and uh, the uh, Heat control the pace all the way throughout the game and uh, go off and win handily, take a 2-1 lead. And, and then last night... The chance to uh, really drag, uh, you know, you know, d- you know, put, dig the dagger into uh, the Celtics' chances. That they, they lay an egg and yes. uh, shoot three for twenty in the first quarter, have four points with about two minutes to go, and it was essentially uh, over. As uh, the Celtics not only uh, dominated that first quarter and then uh, built on that lead, and we're up like twenty-four at halftime, and you had to figure it was lights out. Uh, Eric Spolster, the Heat coach, threw in the towel pretty early. And had a lot of his guys on the bench from that point on. Uh, The lead got as large as 31 and uh, ended up being 20. And uh, just no contest right from the start last night. So, uh, I don't know. Where where does that leave you? I mean, uh, I'm actually of the feeling, uh, my my original instincts about game number five, which uh, would be, what? Is it tomorrow night? Game number five? Yes. Tomorrow night. We don't have to worry about the Panthers anymore because they oh. got eliminated by the Lightning. So uh, that that saves you having to have an eyeball in two different places yeah. if you're home watching these games. But um, I, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, expect the Heat to just turn right back around and beat the Celtics. Hey, it's just, send it back to Boston, 3-2.
2: It's just weird because it's what we've seen so far in this series and the Heat have played better at home. The role players play better at home. My big confusion was, so Bam out of bio was a waste on offense the entire playoffs. He comes out of nowhere, I guess, without Robert Williams and plays as well as we played him on the offensive end in his entire career, to then, because Robert Williams comes back, goes back to not... like How good is Robert Williams defensively? Is he a team? Like, I know Robert Williams is a good defensive component for the Celtics, but for him to be this big of a force to make Bam go from... 10 to 31 to 9. Like, I don't understand. Like, Bam out of bio was so needed last night. Jimmy Butler's knee is definitely bothering him. Whatever he wants to say, he's a warrior. Good for him. His knee's bothering him. Bam ate up the, the Celtics in Game 3. Like, I don't understand what happened last night. You didn't have Hero. I presume Hero will be back for the next game. They'll play better at home in Game 5. Hero
1: hasn't been a big factor, though, Exactly right? in any of the games.
2: I'm, I'm hoping we finally see Hero in Game 5. Maybe yeah. we won't. I don't know. I, I, I just... I don't understand this team It's a bunch of veterans. Like, you understand what a 3-1 lead is compared to 2-2. Like, if you can go up 3-1, that's a command. The, the Warriors are going You gonna... would
1: think if you lost that game, maybe you would fade late uh, as opposed to uh, just getting bludgeoned early. Uh, you, you would have to expect that Boston was going to come out uh, and, uh, you know, uh, attempt to be uh, uh, razor sharp and, and, and get an edge. But uh, they were pretty much handed to it. You know, the Celtics were handed that lead as if they were, uh, you know, picking hors d'oeuvres off a platter at a bar mitzvah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that they were playing all that great. I mean, no. they, they weren't horrible. Uh, but, uh, you know, it wasn't like they were brilliant. There were plenty of opportunities for the Heat to get themselves into the game. I, you know, it, it's mystifying and, and it will always remain so. I, I understand it's the way the game is played now and the way it's structured. And it's weird for an old school guy like me to be, uh, you know, uh, complaining about uh, the just – over infatuation went with the three point shot in, uh, NBA basketball where it's just every possession. You have a team that that's already dug itself into a hole and they're still jacking up threes that they've been missing at an incredible ratio, an incredibly lame ratio. And, uh, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't know why uh, coaches don't immediately, uh, you know, uh, call a timeout, intervene there and say, Hey, remember this uh th- this is a phrase that used to actually apply let's work the ball yes a little bit
2: yes yeah. like i watched I, I, it's so funny you've all made fun of me for being an old man in a young man's body but i said you are watching. an
1: old man an old jewish cranky man in a young man's body is great a-
2: and i guess that's what happens because i watch these games and i'm like another three another like come on guys like go to you're for to seven
1: from three-point range <laughs> uh, what, what i mean just keep uh, chucking them up there because yeah. you figure you're due <laughs> I don't get it. Like, well, why, why not on. try something? I mean, uh, you know, uh, mix it up a little bit. To throw a couple of passes. Get the ball on the inside. Maybe crash the boards a little bit. Uh, you know, just mix it up a little bit. I, I don't know why uh, it's just it's persistent throughout the league, and it's the way the game is being played right now. And, and you know, I, I understand that the three point shot—you only have to hit 33 percent of them to be the equivalent of 50 percent shooter. Uh, from two-point range, but uh, you don't see even 33% of these shots being made. You're seeing horrendous totals by the losing team on three-point attempts.
2: Because they just jack up anything, and it, that's what made the Heat, to me, great this year was that they're not the Rockets. Like, they, Yes, they were number one in three-point shots made or something like that in the regular season, but they didn't live and die by it. They have a bunch of guys that can go to the basket and get – Easy scores. That's that first quarter was the antithesis of everything they'd done all year long. Like, let's just jack up threes and really not use any of the shot clock and not work the ball. Let's just, eh. It was like, okay, <laughs> like what are very, you doing? Very, very
1: mystifying the uh, Jekyll and Hyde nature of this series because uh, you know it, it's been Both one teams. team dominant on every other ball game so far. Uh, Leading you to the conclusion that a reverse once again, and you'll have the uh, percentages all in a heat favor because it's like an 80% shot that if you win game five, and especially if you're the home team uh, of a series that's tied at 2-2, 80 plus percent of the time, the team that wins game five wins the series, so. Uh, we'll see if the heat are up to the uh, occasion. Uh, they certainly weren't up to anything last night except no good. And, <laughs> that, was uh, that was the case. Uh, an embarrassment, though, on the ice, Luby. <laughs> I know we all became <laughs> hockey experts over the last couple of weeks, and, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's entertaining when your team is engaged in the postseason, which was pretty rare for the Florida Panthers, a team we've been watching for a long time. Uh, hearing a lot of bullshit uh, coming from the front office about uh, how they're just uh, primed and ready to make a move. Uh, it certainly appeared to be the case that they had solved uh, a lot of their problems and were in a position to be a really, really strong contender. I mean, they were the second choice to win the Stanley Cup behind the Avalanche. Yes. Uh, now, that could have been just uh, the way, uh, you know, the regular season record uh, reflected uh, their chances. Uh, but you would have to think that also included some kind of assessment of realistically what, what their, uh, you know, makeup and composure was to actually go through and and how this happened. But I don't know that anybody could have anticipated the uh, real collapse that what we saw things uh, start to uh, disintegrate a little bit in the capital series uh, actually right from the start when they played a lackluster game in uh, game number one against the caps and lost that one. And they were very fortunate to get out of that series. Uh, They won it in six. They could have lost it in six just as easily. Uh, But this uh, effort against the Tampa Bay lightning, I mean, they they were dominated by a team that's won two straight Stanley cups I'm not sure that the rationalization is applicable this uh, time where where you can say, oh, yeah, you know, say uh, the Lightning go on and win the Stanley Cup, which is possible. uh, Highly, you know, possible with two series left to go. But uh, I I don't think you can uh, shrug this one off if you're the Panther organization and just say, well, you know what? We lost to the team that won the championship. This was... This was uh, humiliating. I mean, uh, I guess uh, was the word one of our uh, guests on our morning show used, uh, and I was surprised because I thought this guy was a friend of the organization and he was going to kind of soft sell it a little bit and say, well, you know what, they accomplished a lot. They accomplished shit. I mean, in the end, uh, regular season, as uh, people in the NBA have been declaring forever and decrying forever, uh, doesn't matter that much when it comes to, uh, especially hockey where they use this Fugazi seating system. And uh, you end up knocking out your good teams in the earlier rounds uh, because they don't reseed the teams. And, and the Panthers ended up with, with, once again, a very difficult draw. The two time defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, where they acquitted themselves as if uh, they didn't belong in a race in the first place.
2: Well, look, and you've followed hockey a lot more than I have. I grew up with an interest in it. And then when the play- Panthers made the run in the mid 90s, I got really into it. And then they subsequently fell by the wayside, so I stopped being so into it. You've always kept at least a passing interest in hockey, so I put it to you. I I don't know how to equate it with other sports. Like, when a team has a great regular season but then falls flat in the playoffs, we slam them. To me, to take a moral victory from a team that had the best offense in 30-plus years and averaged over four goals a game and had the best point total with the President's Trophy in the regular season to barely get out versus a team that's old and missing players in the Capitals, and then get totally demolished by the Lightning. To me, all, all I could do is be disappointed and shake my head. So I, I don't know if hockey's different where it's like baseball where, yeah, you got there, you know, who knows who's going to win. To me, when I watch sports and a team's that dominant in the regular season, I expect the dominance to continue. And when they fall, not even flat, when they fall on their face like they, they did, to me, all I can think of is things need to change. Like... The Suns, it's, look, the Phoenix Suns were dominant. This Phoenix Suns should have won it all. The fact that they lost in the second round to a Mavs team that's a one-player team, to me, if you're the Suns and you just re-rack it, something's wrong with you. Like, you, yeah. Something's got to change. You're not getting it done in the playoffs the way you should. That's the same thing with the Panthers to me. Like, They have a lot of talent, but Hoover, Dome, Barkov were two of the top, what, 15 players in hockey this year? They did nothing, not even in the lightning. They didn't do anything in the playoffs.
1: Seemed very reluctant to uh, go ahead and be aggressive. Uh, they just did. Hoover uh, was uh, passing pucks, uh, you know, and he was great all year. Yeah. One of the assist leaders, if not the assist leader uh, in the NHL, but had a ton of points, uh, set records, had a phenomenal season. Uh, the guy literally was John Stockton <laughs> on skates. Yes. And yet, I mean, uh, there are times uh, where, y- you know, you have to go ahead and, and take the shot. And uh, he wasn't doing that. And uh, Barkoff was uh, ineffective in in a series. Tampa Bay, uh, a hell of a team. Uh, And you know what? And and this was one of those things uh, where Tampa Bay was embarrassed when they got swept out of the first round after winning the President's Cup a couple of years ago. Three years ago. The year before they won their uh, first of the two Stanley Cups. And, you know, to their credit, I mean, uh, they obviously took that to heart and uh, made sure that they were not going to let something like that happen again. But a brilliant sweep by the Tampa Bay Lightning a, a, a very crushing, crushing uh loss in the series all the way through for the uh, Florida Panthers, who did not distinguish themselves at all, suggesting, Luby, that you might be right. Barry Trotz. Two words. <laughs> Barry <laughs> well, I Trotz I don't think I'd have to twist your arm. Trotz. I want this <laughs> uh, little guy in there behind the bench. He has no neck. But he seems to have a lot upstairs there, uh, nonetheless. No neck. He's like Walt no neck. Williams. He's
2: like DeVito. Yeah.
1: (laughs) DeVito. uh, Bruce Boudreaux also has that same look. I mean, this old salty dog uh, hockey coach who's been a hard-on a couple of different places. Obviously, too much uh, even for uh, Lou Lamarillo, who you would have to think was a hockey hard-on himself. Uh, You know, they must have had some kind of uh, difference of opinion about uh, the way to proceed because – It was uncharacteristic, I I thought. Lamarillo's uh, fired a lot of coaches over the years, uh, mid-season that were doing well, whatever. Yep. Uh, But um, it seemed like Trotz uh, was entrenched there and easily could excuse away uh, the lack of making the playoffs this year by the unfortunate circumstances of their season. No home ice uh, for the first, like, 15, 20 games on the road. I mean, imagine that's how you start the season and then uh, heavily hit by COVID uh, and uh, the – uh, COVID uh, bug uh, definitely uh, got to the Islanders this year at different times, even after that long stretch on the road. So uh, I, I don't know that you, you could say that the coach uh, wasn't compromised by the circumstances and uh, shouldn't be judged this year as uh, being a failure when uh, he had uh, taken a team to uh, what Eastern conference finals. I think so. Or even the, uh, yeah, didn't they get to the Stanley cup final in a year of the bubble? I think they did. I think so. Where uh, they lost to the lightning. So, uh, uh, very, very interesting. No, that no, couldn't be, right? They must There's have a got the Easter conference, conference. That yeah, was yeah. it. Yeah, they're in the Easter Conference, for yeah, God's yeah. sake. What am I talking about? All right. Uh, a lot of fun being with you. Our, our, our thanks to uh, Denise uh, Crosby for joining us, uh, the granddaughter of Bing Crosby. I, I, I like that she got it about American sports. <laughs> That's great. Because I was thinking she was going to say, you know, and we were out of time uh, in the interview. Yeah, I mean, but that was uh, great. You could, you, you could feel the pressure there. They were about to cut great. her off the phone line there. and I'm asking about like a trout I love fishing it, though. expedition. That was yeah. great.
2: They're trying things. to promote a movie, and she actually laughed and like referenced it to her son. That's great. I was like, okay, good yeah, for her. Yeah,
1: that's great. <laughs> all right, Louie, uh, a lot of fun. You have a great day. Yeah, uh, we'll do it again uh, tomorrow here on the Believe Network. Uh, we always uh, leave you with a message here, and I think it's a very important one. And it came it was derived from the great and well-known philosopher uh, from the New York Mets, uh, the great Tug McGraw, left-handed reliever. And uh, uh, I, I saw Tug McGraw playing with a band. Can you imagine? You would have never thought that uh, he, he was going to. You know, be—I uh, mean, uh, it's his son, right? Is uh, Tim McGraw?
2: I think so. Yeah.
1: definitely a relation. And, and and Tug didn't seem to have the same caliber of musical talent as Tim, but he got up there and he sang like a country song. Uh, I was <laughs> at—you know—you know where it was. It was some kind of party for the Marlins, and it was the time when uh, Wayne Hisinga came over to me and said, uh, "I want to introduce you to somebody. This is John Henry, who just bought the team." <laughs> And I was at some function, some charity function, and, and uh, Tug McGraw was singing with his band at this thing.
2: That's crazy.
1: It, it, it was out at Weston, uh, and uh, who, who would have known, right? I'm listening, going, Tug McGraw sings. Who, who, <laughs> who the fuck could have figured that, right? <laughs> Tip McGraw, like the biggest uh, country star, yeah, uh, you know, to this day, uh, of a generation, just incredible. All right, uh, th- that'll do it for us. You guys have fun, but we do quote Tug McGraw at the end of every show, and uh, it is not coming from any other direction. This is not Joel Osteen or any of the uh, favored uh, TV evangelists. Uh, we-, we just we defer to Tug and say, people, no matter what you're doing in life, you gotta believe. Hey, folks, Tony Segreto here. Let me ask you a question. What do you look for when you go out to eat? Good food, obviously, friendly atmosphere, not too loud, but good energy, reasonable prices, and a place where you feel comfortable. All those ingredients, (laughs) no pun meant there, are hard to find unless you're talking about the Texas Roadhouse. You see, they encompass all of those attributes. Really, really good food, amazing atmosphere, good for a family, good for a date, or just a night out for yourself, and prices that will make you extremely happy. Their ribs unmatched. Steaks hand-cut every day. Everything, and I mean everything, is made on site, including their incredible bread. It's the one day, folks, that you can forget about low-carb diets. Trust me when I tell you, Texas Roadhouse, your restaurant, your destination, when you say, where should we go and eat tonight? Play the ponies in style at Champions, the outstanding simulcasting room at beautiful Hylia Park. Yes, the grand old lady of thoroughbred racing has never been more vibrant, and you can wager on the races from the top tracks around the country while enjoying a cocktail at the Brass Rail Bar or any of the fine food served throughout the facility. If poker is your game, you're covered in style, and you can play all your favorite Vegas-style games, including blackjack, craps, and roulette, in Hylia Park's sizzling hot casino. Get a player's card when you walk through the door for all kinds of generous amenities, including our favorite, free play, when you come out to the ultimate casino and entertainment destination, Hylia Park.